Hi, I'm Glenn Harper, CPA and owner of Harper & Company, CPAs Plus, and partner in Sula Consulting. In each episode, my co-host, Julie Smith, Harper & Company's practice manager and partner in Sula Consulting, and I will interview a different guest about their entrepreneurial journey. The podcast features interviews with business owners, aka entrepreneurs, who bring intriguing and entertaining clarity to the entire entrepreneurial journey, giving others confidence to build their business. Our goal is to provide actionable value to you, the entrepreneur, to help you do business or build a business. Every entrepreneur deserves to enjoy the journey. Learning from others offers valuable insight and inspiration. We want to provide insight on the why, the how, the shortcuts, and the value add that many entrepreneurs wish they would have had identified at the onset of their journey. Sit back and enjoy the journey. Welcome, everybody, or another episode of Harper & Company Empowering Entrepreneurs. Glenn Harper here. Julie Smith. And we'd like to welcome our guest today, Kristen Deese, a fellow entrepreneur who is the brains behind multiple companies. She is a virtual CFO as well as a real CFO for multiple companies and owner of Gulf Coast Business Coaching in sunny Gulf Breeze, Florida. And in her spare time, she can be found on the beach throwing mud on ATVs with her family. Even though she looks like she's all brains and a desk jockey, she likes to get dirty and experience nature and manual labor. Thanks, Kristen, for being part of the show today. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Well, it's the funniest thing when we get some guests on here, The uh, we try to have some commonality and we can make fun of each other. And knowing that you're a, an accountant, I mean, we share a, a special bond, I think. And a non-accountants just don't get it. Julie doesn't get it. She has no clue about what that means. And uh, we're trying to figure out, you know, when you were in school, I don't know if you really wanted to be an accountant, but you said somehow you liked it. And I just didn't know if it was... You know, was it the cash versus accrual accounting, amortization of bond premiums or T accounts that just made you have to be the language of accounting? Which one was it? Um, probably none of the above. What? Those are, that's sexy, that kind of stuff. Um, I actually started my college career wanting to be a nurse, which is completely opposite of accounting. And um, realized that in order to do that, I had to take biology and chemistry and they were really hard. So I jumped ship from that and moved over to accounting, which is completely opposite spectrum um, and found always have loved numbers and organization and stuff like that, but then started really understanding how it worked from that accounting perspective. And then I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. It's just basically like a puzzle. Yeah, we look at it like... Uh you know, some accounts really never even get it, but you're an anomaly kind of like myself, where at one point you're sitting there looking at numbers and doing what you do. And all of a sudden it's like the matrix, the numbers just roll and they make sense. And you're like, oh, I can speak this language. It makes sense. Right. Is that kind of what happened? Yeah, totally. As a matter of fact, the very first accounting 101 class that I took, I failed. I had to retake it. But then once it clicked the second time around, then I was like, oh, this is all making sense now. And then now, even just yesterday, I was working on a complicated journal entry that was just really, I just couldn't get it to balance. And then when it finally did, it was like, oh. <laughs> are you are you suggesting that you don't just plug a number and make it balance? Or you actually try to find the number? Oh, no, I'm, I try I'm to kidding. find it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> no I'm kidding. <laughs> Great. Um, so I've been dying to ask this. You know, your your husband Justin does. Uh, does he think your tractor's sexy? Do you guys have a tractor? Because you said you drive one of those around. We do have a tractor yeah. and a four wheeler and a side by side. Nice. So, yes. <laughs> so I stalked you a little bit on your online profile in uh, Kennesaw State University. 
How'd we pick that? That's the third largest university in Georgia. Well, how did you pick that versus the Bulldogs? What what was the reason? Was it Sturgis the Owl or just because you just want like the smaller school? Well, um, I actually started at Georgia State and transferred to Kennesaw about halfway through. Um, I went to high school up in that area, so I was very familiar with that area. And when I went to Kennesaw way back in the day, it was still a commuter school. So it wasn't even close to the size that it is now. Now they have dorms and a football team and all kinds of stuff. And when I was there, none of that was there. However, they had a fantastic business school and they still do. And so um, I wanted to get out of the city and out of Georgia State. So I transferred up to Kennesaw to finish out. Um, and I'm very glad I did. It was it was an excellent school and their business and accounting program was is pretty good. How about that? Did you uh, did, you weren't there when they had Sturgis, right? I think he came along a little bit later. But yeah. Yeah. No, I wasn't there when when they were there. My brothers ended up going there for a little while for um, engineering several years after I did. And by the time they went, Sturgis was there and the plank and all of the things the that they stuff. do now. <laughs> Do they like have the algo and attack little animals or is it just flying around or does it just sit there and look noble? I honestly have I'm, never been to a Kennesaw football game, so I couldn't tell there you. There you have it. Um, and my final like warm up question is, do you prefer horseback riding or four wheeling? Oh my gosh. I don't know that I can pick. It is a tough one. Um, I think probably four wheeling, but only by like a little smidge of a preference. <laughs> because it's not as dangerous or more fast? Are you like to live um, a little dangerous? It's, it's, it, I have a little bit more control on four-wheeling because I'm driving as opposed to a horse where you have to, you have some bit of control, but really the 1,200 pounds beneath you has more control than you do. So yeah, they, a, a moth, oh my God, we're going to die. Horse jumps. Right. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's Glenn's last softball question. But that's the one it. thing that I read while stalking you like Glenn was <laughs> the coffee and wine comments. So we can find you in the morning drinking your coffee and ending your day with wine. And for whatever reason, it wasn't the numbers that connected me with you. It was that. Yes. So, like I am a human too. <laughs> so which one's your favorite? Do you like to the beginning of the day or the end of your day? Oh, coffee for sure. Yeah, for sure. I, as a matter of fact, it's mostly cream with just like a splash of coffee. So <laughs> I get that as I'm drinking Starbucks. Dairy's good. Yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't like some dairy? Well, would you... uh you know, for our listeners out there, we, we always like to have our, our guests kind of just tell a little bit about what services your companies do and, you know, a little intro of what you guys do for a living and, and, and the why of that. And then we'll get into some more depths about being an entrepreneur as a, you know, we just want to know a little bit about what you do so our clients can kind yeah. of contact with, connect with you. Well, um, we do own a couple of businesses. Um, we, and my husband and I have worked together for 20 years, give or take. Um, we own a business in Atlanta that um, installs kitchen appliances for people who purchase them from Lowe's and Home Depot. So if you go need a dishwasher and you want somebody to install it, that's our company that gets contracted out to do that. And then we own a company here in the panhandle of Florida called Paradise Home Services. And um, it's plumbing, HVAC, and then water and mold remediation. So I operate as the CFO for both of those companies. And then what I do with the majority of my time is those CFO services for um, other businesses in the trades. Um, what we find a lot of times in the trades is the owners are really good technicians. They're really good at what they do, but running the business part isn't necessarily something that is a strength for them. So the coaching and the CFO services help them in that area of weakness so that they can be more balanced as a business. 
So you work, you coordinate that with their current CPA or accounting people to get the data, and then you kind of look at it at a high level. What the owner. Yeah, I actually work with their in-house accounting staff. Okay. So a lot of times they'll have like a bookkeeper or an office manager or somebody who's keeping track of all of the day-to-day information, expenses and receipts and payments and deposits and invoices and all that kind of stuff. And I help them with getting their systems together and, you know, how are they going to collect receipts and where are they going to store them and how are they going to track them? And, you know, how are they going to track to make sure that they're getting paid on their invoices? And then um, I help them put together their financial reports and reconcile all their statements and do all of those things. And then when they go to their CPA, they can give their CPA their completed books and their CPA is not having to run around trying to figure out you know, trying to do the reconciliations and figure out where everything is, they can just take the completed reports and prepare the taxes and do whatever they need to do with it. So it's definitely very much a managerial accounting as opposed to tax prep accounting. Yeah, it's just you're more of a the controller and then you take that data, hand it off, and then you analyze it with the owner and tell them what's going on. Exactly. Yep. So the we take the the information that goes to the CPA, they deal with the tax side of things. And then we take that same information And we sit down with ownership and we say, okay, let's look at how you did. Let's look at what your trends are. Let's look on which departments are making money and which departments are. Let's look at where your holes in the boat are basically. And let's figure out how to plug them. Don't business owners just love getting under the microscope and getting called out on all those things. It's the the best. It's a really vulnerable situation for business owners to be in, but it's um, totally necessary in order to be successful. There's so many times that, you know, you, these um, people are running around selling, selling, selling. They're, they're, they're working really, really, really hard. But then they look at their bank account and they're like, where is the money? What is going on here? And you have to have that. You have to be able to analyze the information and know what you're looking at in order to figure out where it's going. Yeah, it's funny when uh, we this whole podcast is empowering entrepreneurs and it's about helping them get the knowledge transfer so they understand what it means to run a business, not just do the business. And and that is a neat thing that you're doing because that is something severely lacking for small business owners, for sure. It's, I find it interesting that, you know, the responsibility of being the, you know, CFO of multiple companies that are your own, but also then to take that role, it's an emotional burden because you can't help it. I'm sure that you feel fully vested helping these clients and you got to get, you can't just cursory look at the numbers. You got to get down into it, down in the, in the detail. And it's an emotional thing, even though people say it's not supposed to be, I have to believe it is a little bit for you. I mean, it is for me when we look at clients books, cause you, you want them to succeed. You want to help them. You want to educate them, but boy, up and down, it's a, it's a traumatic experience for everybody. Yeah, it's definitely, um, you celebrate the wins and then you also mourn the losses. Um, when you're going over that information um, with those business centers, but it is also really exciting to be able to see growth in the business and in the leadership capabilities of owners when you've spent the time with them to teach them how to read their numbers and how to look at their reports and how to use that information to make good business decisions. Um, it's, It's really neat to see that transformation in the business owners themselves and that tremendous growth that can happen. It for for me and and I think probably all the other staff that we have on our team and the other accountants, the ability to coach a client along and have them learn something and interpret and be able to make decisions on something they never even understood, 
you know, a day ago, and all of a sudden they, they can speak the language, they know what it means. It's, you know, that, that mentoring or just helping them do that is, is so powerful because now that, that client or that individual, that company can literally achieve something greater. And if we, if you do it right, we see they don't even, now they're not involved in the operations as much of the business. They're just like a hands-off business owner that just does some things and they can do other things that they want to do. And that's the fun part when they realize they have this opportunity to do other things, not just grind away at something. Right. Yeah, we um, we definitely talk to um, the business owners a lot about the difference between strategic um, tasks and tactical tasks. The tactical tasks are the minute things that have to be done all the time, every day, the the physical labor of the of the business and the strategic tasks are is that higher level thinking and that, you know, let's look at this from a big picture. Let's step back and see you know, what does the future look like and where did we, where have we been and um, how do we get to where we want to go? And being able to pull those business owners, the business owners out of that tactical mode and that tactical mindset to be able to look at things strategically just does um, a total like mindset shift for them that it doesn't, we don't, I don't have to be in the truck doing the job and checking on the sites. We can set this up so that other people are doing that and I can focus on the bigger picture of things. You always have a trick question for clients when you onboard them. And even after we've had them for a while, it's always ask them, uh, you know, what is it that you do that actually makes money? Like, what do you think your role is? What, what pays the bills? Like, what is that thing that you do? And they always say, well, it's this task of doing it. I'm like, that's not where you make your money at. Making Mm -hmm. money is being strategic and planning and putting your team together. And it's just, when they get that aha moment, they're like, oh my God, that's right. What, why I, just because I am the wizard at you know, fixing a breaker box doesn't mean I should be doing that. I mean, they're fun playing right. breaker boxes, but that's not what they should be doing. <laughs> I mean, they, yeah, there's a lot of times that um, they don't realize that they're being the bottleneck in their company mm-hmm. until you pull them back a little bit. Sometimes you have to pull them back up by the collar, pull them back a little bit and be like, get out of the way, let your business run, look at it from the strategic level, make the decision from that level and just get out of the way. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh wait, this is what leverage is. <laughs> this is how to leverage. <laughs> It's kind of like uh, you and me, probably we, again, we got some affinities that we share in a little bit. And one of those things is, you know, we just dearly love our 10 keys. Right. And, uh, but we don't really make money on our 10 key, but dang it, I just can't stop using it. I don't know about you. It's just something fun. I know it is. He he used to pack it in his backpack. We'd go away to like speak at conferences or whatever. And he'd like, we'd sit down and he'd go to unzip his backpack. And I'm like, oh my gosh, is that a 10 key in there? He's like, you just don't know. I'm like, Never, you know, ever. I can't even add one plus one without a 10 key anymore. So it's very important for me. Aww. I mean, it's not efficient to use the numbers along the top of the keyboard. <laughs> oh, ex- see, you get Wait, it. Wait, I, I have a solar calculator at my desk. It works it's just em- fine. It's embarrassing. <laughs> totally embarrassing. Gives us all kinds of bad names. Um, when did you decide, you know, it's one thing, uh, when you come out of school and you're doing what you do and you're working for a living, and then all of a sudden you decide that, you know, you and your husband or you and a business partner, or you on your own, you're going to start a business. You know, how did you decide to do that? I mean, that's, did you have a real job where you're an entrepreneur as a kid? What, what made you decide that, Hey, I'm going to be a business owner today. So my my husband made that decision for us Mm. (laughs) a long time ago. He is he always has been our um, entrepreneur visionary um, between the two of us. And I have always been the 
detail oriented. Let's make sure all of the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted and the money's where it needs to be and all that kind of stuff. So when we first started um, our first business many moons ago, I kept a real job, quote unquote, um, in order to make sure that we could pay the power bill and eat. Um, And then it got to the point where the business that he created was getting to be enough that I was working in the evenings and on the weekends in his business, doing all of the accounting things. And then I was still trying to keep this job. And then we had two small children at the time. And I was like, okay, this is too much. And I made the leap to move over into that business. And we did that for a long time. Just the one service company, um, we grew it very large. It was the appliance installation and some plumbing. Um, We grew it very large. And then 2008 hit. And like everybody else, we kind of had to reel it all back in and really cut out a lot of things. Um, We went from like four or five states and 50 trucks running down to a very bare minimum just because we were cutting weight everywhere that we could. Um, And then when we came out of that, um, which we did come out of it barely, um, when we came out of that, then it was kind of like, all right, we're going to rebuild what we have going on here and kind of make some shifts And as we got comfortable in that position, that's when I realized that my area, what I really enjoyed doing was the coaching side of things. I don't necessarily like being in the day-to-day, you know, solving problems and putting out fires and all of those things, but I do really enjoy working with business owners and showing them how to get out of that spot. Um, and so after working with our own business coach for quite some time and, you know, kind of seeing that transformation in us, I was like, man, it would be really cool to be able to do this with other business owners. So then I started doing coaching in general. We were, I was coaching, um, um, vision stuff and organizational charts and, uh, systems and marketing and finance and in leadership and the whole thing. Um, still only really focusing on the trades because that's where our experience is. So I can really relate with those business owners and then ended up just in the last, um, probably two or three years, really whittling it down to the systems, the finance, um, a little bit of the vision stuff, but it's really that organization and that level of detail that the business owners don't really want to mess with. They just want it to be done because they kind of feel like if it's there, it probably would be helpful, but they don't really necessarily want to put the work in to make it happen. And then there's all kinds of coaches in in our space and in, in spaces all over that really focus in on driving sales and leadership, which is amazing and it's necessary. But if you don't have the foundation and the details lined out and your system's in place, your sales, your additional sales that you're getting from these um, other training programs are just compounding issues that you already have. So I try to get a hold of them, help them get that foundation really strong. Then when they do ultimately go to sales and leadership training and coaching and whatever, they're seeing a much higher return on investment on that because their foundation is strong. It seems like uh, everything's wacker jawed for entrepreneurs. Like the literally the two things that are really the most important in my opinion, other than obviously they have to be good at what they do, whatever the product and service they do, but they got to understand the tax consequences and they got to understand their financials to see how they're performing. And those are literally the two things that just gives the heebie-jeebies to everybody. And it, I don't know why that stereotype is there, but once they learn it and understand it, it's actually, it takes so much stress off of them because they're like, oh, that's all there is to that. And I don't know why it's so hard 
it, I don't know if it's because they're watching too much TV. I don't know if it's to read too many magazines. I don't know if they just are intimidated by it, but it is the strangest phenomenon. Would you agree to that? I mean, it's weird. I do agree. And I think honestly that it is a level of, of accountability that a lot of people don't want to own up to. I think that your numbers hold you accountable. And if you don't look at them, then who's holding you accountable? <laughs> right. So I think that that a lot of times has to do with um, the desire to, to not look at them or to, um, you know, we've got, I've got a saying that if you don't pay attention to your numbers, they're going to get you, a, they're going to get your attention and probably in a way that you don't appreciate. And so, um, you know, you, you want to look at the numbers when they're, when it's a good month and you want to look at the numbers when it's a bad month and you need to, you need to scrutinize them the same way in both scenarios, because if it's a bad month, everybody wants to know where the money went and what happened. But if it's a good month, you need to know why that happened as well so that you can repeat it. It's almost like the uh, actual numbers are real and like there's, it's not an opinion, it's a fact. And uh, entrepreneurs, again, they like to freewheel a little bit and they like to do what they feel and think. And that's why we love entrepreneurs because they have that manic thing about them side. But at some point you got to get them on point and look at the real things, make real decisions, and then send them off to hunt again, right? I mean, that's that's the fun part. Yep. And something you said that, you know, I, I read your profile is quality over quantity. And I think you've, you've hinted around that a lot, but that's definitely the pinpoint of what you're definitely trying to get the owners to do is to get out of their own way in regards to that quality over quantity and having that accountability and having those systems in place in order to have that if you... In my opinion, you, you know, that's exactly what you're, you're doing. Yeah, for sure. It's that it's it goes back to the the idea that if you have problems in your systems and you have problems, if you've got problems when you're small and you throw more sales on top of it, all you're going to do is have bigger problems when you're big. So solve them and then dump a bunch of sales onto it that's and a then bunch of, it'll flourish. That's a bunch of poppycock. That is not true. That, that is not, I don't know who told you that, but that is simply not true. You got more sales, more sales. Um, so, you know, your upbringing, when you're doing work, doing things on the farm, do you think, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs have this insatiable appetite to challenge themselves, do more than it's expected and just really can't get enough of what they do. And that, that comes, you know, sometimes you're programmed that way. Sometimes you, are instilled that work ethic when you're you're young or you see something with an athlete in the military, you know, police officer or farmer, just something where you have to do way more than is expected. You have to get up early. You got to do those things again. Who doesn't love shovel manure? But I mean, like to be able to do those things, do you feel like that gave you a, a good base to say, like, I can roll up my sleeves and get into this. This isn't a problem. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it's work ethic was something that was instilled in me from as early as I can remember. And, um, I definitely think that there is, there is that drive in, um, entrepreneurs that isn't found in everybody, which is a good thing because we don't need everybody to be entrepreneurs. We need some people to just roll up their sleeves and do the work. Um, I know that it, like like a lot of people, there is a tendency to roll up the sleeves and do the work when you shouldn't be, right? When somebody else should be doing it or you should be kind of backing out. Um, but, you know, spending the time early on and working hard and seeing what happens when you do work hard, when you do a good job, you know, maybe you get the promotion or maybe you see the next opportunity. Um, it 
just opens up a whole world of who knows what could have happened, right? When I was a teenager, I never in a million years would have thought that we would be running multiple businesses and, you know, doing coaching and CFO services and whatever. And here I am <laughs> doing <Nailing> the things. <laughs> so when you look back and I know Glenn's, you know, kind of went back on, you know, your childhood, do you think that there's someone from your childhood or maybe someone in college or someone early on, even in your real job that you would consider, consider a mentor that had a big impact on your life, even where you are today? Yeah, I had a mentor in my, I had a job in, um, when I was in college and it was at a hair salon actually of all places. And I was kind of like the salon manager and I was very young, um, under 21 for sure. Cause I would have been, I was in college at the time and the business owner was probably about 10 years older than me. So she wasn't, she was still young herself, but, um, she was very intelligent in the terms of running the business. And she kind of took me under her wing and um, taught me a whole lot about the back end of running a business that would have taken me quite a bit longer to learn had she not done that. And that kind of was probably the first time I really saw numbers and trending and um, like statistics from a business standpoint in that way. And I didn't necessarily realize how much I really, how much I enjoyed it at that point. Um, a couple of years later, I was like, okay, now I understand that this is really cool. But I was actually doing that work several years prior and not even really realizing it. We were looking at, you know, individual stylist sales and creating commission reports and, you know, looking at expenses and how much does it cost when the shampoo person does two pumps versus one pump when they're doing a shampoo, like all of those kind of things we were analyzing. Um, and I was doing that that whole um, trending in numbers way before I even realized what I was doing. <laughs> um, so there was, I think I definitely leaped forward while I worked there in a way that, you know, even though I'm taking classes in college and I'm learning, um, I'm learning about risk and I'm learning about fraud and I'm learning about um, all of these big business, very corporate accounting ideas on the side, I'm doing like real small business things. And those are not the type of skills that I would have learned taking the classes that I was taking in school because I was learning, you know, like the bigger auditing and stuff like that. Um, so it was it was kind of a neat experience. And especially looking back, obviously, hindsight's 2020, right? So you can see if, when you look back, you're like, oh, that really was a very impactful time. Yeah, two comments on that. So hopefully, <clears throat> you figured out a way to give the two pumps and charge an extra 20 cents for the thing because people want a lot of lather when they go in there. So that's important to do that yeah. and make sure you're making the money. <laughs> but that other part too is, is the ability to, um, it, you know, when I was in, in, in school, I was working a real job and in, in accounting. And it was amazing when you go to class and you learn a concept, but you have, and then you go back to the office and you actually integrate it. You're like, wow, it just, you know, you, you learn by doing, you kind of, you know, you're almost teaching to learn and, and it really accelerates how much faster that stuff resonates with you, right? And so I, I can definitely see where that could have happened uh, for you. Have you been able to keep that relationship and keep in contact? 
Um, for the first several years after I left, um, we did, we kind of grew apart a little bit and now it's a connection once every couple of years and it's a, oh my gosh, how have you been? La 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 la. And then a couple more years, we'll do it again. (laughs) Do you find, um, when you are, you know, when you're willing to roll up your sleeves and, and get dirty and, and, and get into the, into the guts of things, do you find, um, that that creates a situation where you can, be a more um, more of a leader than a boss because you you show that you're willing to do the work. You've done it before. You have like don't try to tell me anyone in this office. I did everything you guys have done, and you can lead by example versus stand there dictating. Is that is that something you felt has helped you as well? Absolutely, and not only has it helped from the leadership standpoint, but it also helps keep me relevant in the situations that these business owners and their employees are going through on a regular basis. Um, So that's part of why I um, still enjoy and appreciate doing the CFO services for the businesses that we own is because then when I am working with these other business owners, they're experiencing a lot of the same things that we are experiencing. So we can kind of almost bounce back and forth between, you know, what, what have we tried? What worked? What didn't work? Here's what we do in our business. Let me help you implement that into your business. Um, and so absolutely, the trick is finding the balance of um, rolling up my sleeves and getting to work and showing showing the people that I am still willing to do that and um, stepping across the line of uh, not delegating when I should because we fall into the trap of it's easier to just do it myself than it would be to train somebody else to do it or to come up with a system or whatever. Um, and at that point, it's when you turn into the bottleneck when when you may not necessarily realize it. So it's definitely striking that line between, yep, I'm going to roll up my sleeves and help and stay relevant. And also let me make sure that this isn't something that really should be delegated to somebody else. I feel like there's always somebody watching over my shoulder, making sure that I don't do that because it's really, really (laughs) easy because we have all this knowledge and the wisdom that again, we can look at a problem and we can get from A to Z in like eight nanoseconds. And if we hand it off to somebody, it's going to take them three days, but they've got to Mm -hmm. struggle. They got to figure it out. You got to coach them along and they'll get there. Then maybe the fifth time they can do it in a couple minutes, you know, but it's, it's hard because you just, we want that instant results and get things done. Yep. Do you feel like um, um, at any point in time, like now you've been doing this for how many years, the CFO thing? Um, the For other companies, yes. I've been doing CFO yes. for about two years. Two years. Do you, And when you were mm-hmm. doing the CFO for your current companies, that you've been doing that for a while, right? And that started way back when. Yeah. Is there anything? That, yeah, way back to yeah. the beginning. Do you feel like there's a was a point in time where you're like, man, if I'd have just known that then, where would I be today? Was there is there when you look back, is there that moment where you're like, when you're sitting here today, going, gosh, if I'd have just known that little formula 15 years ago, I, I'd be a gajillionaire. Is is that does that something that that hits you? Or are you are you already just yeah, I'm, I got it. I'm just moving on. Um, so I think that there's probably a couple, one would be, um, when we figured out that when we started separating our, our, the company by departments and looking at, um, department profitability, we started seeing, this was 
like 10 years ago, we started seeing that there was one department or wing that just really was underperforming, but that department brought in a lot of sales. And so we were terrified to let it go because it boosted the sales number. But when you got all the way down to the bottom, it was not doing anything for the bottom line. And so we were really scared to let that go and make that decision and kind of take that step. And it, you know, looking at the opportunity costs and if the, if it's not making any money and we put that energy somewhere else, what could we be doing instead? And, you know, all of those things. So if we could have figured that out a little bit earlier, um, that would have been cool. And also it stays on the forefront now when we're looking at our different departments numbers as in terms of, do we need to continue to provide the service? Is it, is it profitable or do we need to make a change or we need to let it go all together? Um, I think the other thing that kind of piggybacks off of that is it took us, when I say us, I would say probably Justin, my husband is a little bit more guilty of this than I am, but of course it's his fault. Entrepreneurs want to say, <laughs> um, entrepreneurs want to say yes to everything, right? Like every opportunity that Not looks true. like something that fun and shiny, they want to say yes to. <laughs> and so um, I, I would be on board. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Sounds great. You know, whatever. And then it would completely take us off course of the vision that we had, or um, it would just kind of, we were all over the place for a little while. Again, this was years ago. So it took us both a while to be able to figure out what was something that we should say yes to versus what was something that we should, you know, thank you, but no thank you um, in terms of looking at opportunities. Um, and Again, if if that's something that we could have figured out earlier, then we could have been more dialed in on a direction and a vision earlier on. Um, I think that we're we're dialed in now, but it didn't happen. It took you know half of the time that we were business owners for that to happen. So imagine if we would have been able to do that from the beginning, what this whole thing would look like. Um, I think those are probably two of the two of the key. Had I known now what I knew then. <laughs> Woulda, coulda, shoulda. The, uh, the one thing yeah. you mentioned, and I think that's probably, you know, everybody has a why they do what they do. And it's your why is not that you love numbers. I mean, obviously you do. You're accounting for God's sakes. We love numbers. But I think it's more of the fact that you want to help. And when you walk into a client and you understand, and we see this a lot in, in our business a lot, that, you know, a client is all driven about their gross sales. It's not about the gross. It's about the margin, right? And, oh, I sold 10 million last year. Well, how much did you make? You know, 10 bucks. I'm like, well, I got a guy over here that sold $1,000 and made 900. Uh, who would you rather be, right? So being able to, for you, kind of understanding that aha moment in your own business, and now you're out coaching and teaching other people this, that's got to be one of the first things you talk about. And that has got to be really, really well-received for a client to understand that it's not about how much you, I mean, sales are important and what you sell for, but it's what you, it's not what you sell it for, what you make on it. And I feel like that is mm -hmm. a very impactful thing that you're doing for people that again, you're helping them accelerate and get over that hump that it took you a long time to figure it out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the idea would be to help them shorten their learning <laughs> curve, right? Like we took, we took the long way, we took the long route there. Um, but to be able to help them shorten the learning curve and, get to the profitability that they want to be at faster, obviously is the ultimate goal. Um, there's a lot of times that I talk to business owners who are just in complete overwhelm. 
Um, they're running, they're running ragged. Um, their business is running them. Um, they've got customers who are beating down the doors, wanting things, and they have employees that they're having a hard time um, dealing with. And you know, they don't know their numbers. They're they're gauging whether or not they're doing well by the cash that's sitting in the bank and whether or not they can make their next payroll. Um, and it's a tough place to be in. And I know that because I've been there. And um, it's it feels like you know, you go through periods of time when you're like, what am I even doing this for? I just need to throw it all away and go get a job that I can go to work and I can come home and I can get a paycheck on Friday and that's it. But that's not the entrepreneurial way. (laughs) No, it's not. So it's, (laughs) so going in and being like, okay, cool. I know it's chaotic right now and I have been in those shoes. So let's get to work on fixing this and then pulling them out of that and fixing all of the things and then setting them back out on their little journey, that is the reason that I do the things because it just, it hurts my heart to see when they're struggling because we were there too. And I can, I definitely know I'm living the example that there is a hundred percent a better way to run your business. Don't you feel like entrepreneurs definitely have a screw loose? I mean, we're definitely a little bit odd <laughs> because who, who wakes up every day negative and is happy to go perform and try to turn that into a positive. Um, and the yeah. cool thing is once entrepreneurs recognize that they need that help, like you said, you had a coach before you even, as you were doing your business, you had a coach. Um, as entrepreneurs realize that that coach and you're doing that for these, as a CFO, you're basically their coach, right? It's not about the numbers. It's really about your their mental state. It's amazing how somebody could be so close to burning out and just they can't take it anymore but they really, really want to do it. And all of a sudden they get this little key and then boom, they are off to the races. And it's, it's the greatest feeling ever for me anyway. That's why I love doing what I do, but I, I'd imagine it's very similar for you. Yeah, for sure. So early on, you know, I know that your husband was the reason you guys kind of went into this and you were kind of doing the real job. But at what point do you think you knew or you and your husband decided to, we need a team? And we have to kind of get out of our own way. We have to be able to kind of build this team and delegate. And and I'm just curious at what point you had that moment. Um, it did not take very long to get to that point from the um, technician labor standpoint, because Justin was the only one doing the technical labor And he was also trying to answer the phone and he was trying to talk to the stores and he was trying to do all of these things. Um, And so it didn't take long for him to be like, this is for the birds. Somebody else, uh, we need to get somebody else in here to help with the actual technical part of it, the technical labor part. Um, And then there, so there was, so we brought in the first technician, um, which by the way, is still with us today. He's our uh, general manager of our business in Atlanta. Um, so he came in and started helping. And then, um, I want to say we probably brought in an, uh, somebody who sat in like a CSR position, even if it was just from a part-time standpoint to kind of help with some of the administrative things. Um, but the the point where it was like, okay, we need somebody is the up at 4 a.m., out the door by 5, um, running the entire day, home at you know, 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night, um, sleeping for a couple of hours and getting up and doing it all over again. The, you can only do that for a certain period of time before you're like, uh, okay, something's got to give. Um, and then for 
from me and the job standpoint, it was a strain on the relationship. It was a strain on the house in general to have him gone all the time because then I am doing the pickups at daycare and I'm going to work and then I'm picking up at daycare at the end of the day. And then we're doing dinner and bath and, you know, the whole thing. And then I get the, our, we only had one child at the time. So get him into bed at eight and from eight to 11 or 12 at night, I'm working on sending out invoices and collecting payments and doing all those things to the point where we were both working so many hours that we were like, well, this is kind of stupid. Why are we doing this? (laughs) So we had to we had to grow. We didn't have a choice. We didn't have to grow. We didn't have the money to do it. We didn't know how we were going to do it, or we didn't know what the employees were going to look like. But we like we need some help. This is getting out of control. I definitely say that you know that's not for everybody. But literally, if you can get through that period, you can help get that key. There is light on the other side, unless you suck at what you do, right? Then that doesn't matter. But if you're right. if you're if you're good at what you do, and you know, like, and I'd I'd imagine does Justin still wear his tool belt around the house? Does he walk around thinking he's all that, or is he doesn't even wear one anymore? He does not. As a matter <sighs> of fact, there there is. We have uh, several con- go to contractors <laughs> for gotcha. our jobs around the house. <laughs> so he has completely embraced not doing the technical work. <laughs> well, I got to talk to that guy because I feel like he's got to you know get shocked in a, a electrical receptacle at some point just to make sure it works. I feel like he has defined delegation, you know, to the point of delegation, right? He's got it down. Yep, he's got a 100%. doctorate in a, a doctorate in delegation. Um, did you have a? Uh, you know, I listen to one of your podcasts, which is which is weird because I don't listen to anything ever. I'm kidding, of course. But you had a thing that um, you talk about uh, clients like you have you have them do this exercise of of writing their own little thing. You know what I'm talking about? Do you want to share with that how that works and how is that received by the clients? Are you about the the, obit? the eulogy exercise. Yes, yeah. Okay. I think it's fantastic. So. So that was an exercise that our business coach had us do um, when we were trying to basically find, figure out why it is that we were doing what we were doing, right? So there's a couple of different ways that you can get to that. Some people do the seven layer why, um, you know, why are you doing this because of this? Well, why, you know, why do you want that? And you just kind of keep asking why. That's impactful. However, I think the eulogy exercise is more impactful from like an internal soul shaking kind of way because you you literally write what you want your eulogy to read or what you would want somebody to say as your eulogy at your funeral and it kind of makes everything very real and it really helps you highlight the handful of things that are ultimately important um you know, you say that you want to be a business owner because you want to make more money. Okay. Well, making a bunch of money and dying with a bunch of money isn't something that you would want necessarily to be put in your eulogy. Right. So if you, if you work out the exercise, very humbling exercise of writing your eulogy, then you're really striking the, what do you want to be known for? What, what do you want to um, die knowing that you've done, knowing what kind of person you are, the characteristics that you have. And when you can highlight that out of your eulogy, then going forward and making your vision, it kind of can ground that vision more deeply than if it was just something that was superficial of, I want to make more money. Um, so it's definitely a really humbling exercise. 
there are, I've only had a few people push back on that exercise. Most people will do it and they'll, you know, they'll kind of like scratch the surface and then we'll go over it. And then I'll be like, all right, cool. Take it back and let's dig a little deeper. Um, and then you can tell when they, when they kind of hit the, the core of it. Um, so it's really a very impactful exercise. And while it sounds really like morbid, <laughs> no. it's got good purpose. I think it's genius. I mean, everybody's got to know the why and what are you trying to accomplish? Because for you, this is uh this is like one of the trick questions. Not that I haven't given you like 20 of them already, but this one is, uh, what, what is the end game? I mean, are you going to try to do this CFO thing for another 20 companies, 50 companies? You're going to scale it and put other people in. Are you going to grow your business to be in all 50 States? Are you going to open up 10 other businesses? You're going to milk this thing and just cruise into the sunset. What exactly is Kristen's end game on this? Um, my end game is, is just my clientele. I don't plan on bringing on any other coaches or growing and scaling to that size. I thoroughly enjoy having a handful of clients at a time and building really strong lasting relationships with these business owners, um, as opposed to the very, um, um, low touch, hitting a lot of people at the same time idea. Um, I leave the growing to 50 states and the things that we're doing to Justin, because he's, that's where he operates. Like that's the brain space that he operates in, which is super amazing. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the book rocket fuel by, mm -hmm. um, yep. uh, Gina Wickman. So that book is really cool because it highlights the personalities of the visionary and, and the integrator and that how both personalities are necessary um, in order to have a successful business. And very rarely is one person, both personalities in Justin and I's case, <clears throat> we are definitely the individual. So he is the visionary and I'm in the, in the integrator. Um, I, by doing this virtual CFO, I'm able to scratch the itch of the integrator for other businesses too, not just my own. And so, you know, it's not necessarily a desire of mine to grow this particular arm of what we do into this ginormous business. I'm more after, you know, finding the people that, that need me and that want to use me and building that relationship and making them better and sending them on their way. And then doing that with the next client and just kind of trucking along until I decide that I want to retire on an Island and Turks and Caicos. <laughs> I, I think that's fantastic. I, I have this feeling that Justin's got a split personality. He really wants to be an integrator too, but he's, he decides that you're, that you like that better. So he's going to step back from that. That's what I think's going on. Yeah. I'm kidding. Of course. Well, is there, uh, do you want to <laughs> give a, um, you want to give a plug to your company? And uh, so people might be able to look you up and do something with that. Yeah. So my website is kristendees.com. And um, the services and the different things from the virtual CFO standpoint that I do are on that site. And um, one thing that we didn't bring up um, is that Justin and I are authors. We wrote a book called When Your Business Partner is Your Spouse, How to Have a Successful Business and a Happy Marriage. And that book can be found on my website and on Audible. Is that under fiction or nonfiction? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. It's 100% no, true. I, it's, a, it's an amazing <laughs> when you get that clarity to make that work because it is hard to do that. And when you figure it out, it is it is going to be very rewarding. 
Well, I appreciate your time today. Uh, thanks for coming on, and, and hopefully this was rewarding as for you as it was for us, and I hope our listeners uh, can glean something from this and say, you know what, that's going to inspire me to be a better entrepreneur. Uh, this is Glenn Harper. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. And Julie Smith. Take care. At Harper & Company CPA Plus, we just don't care about the numbers. We care about helping you tap into the greatness of your entrepreneurial journey. You deserve a partner who has helped hundreds of businesses go from paying the bills to building the business and lifestyle of their dreams. Go to our website and download our free guide entitled Entrepreneurial Success Formula, How to Avoid Managing Your Business from Your Bank Account. The link is in this episode's show notes.